you know, I, I was thinking about this morning. I said, you know what, man, this would be a great, this would be a great book, wouldn't it? I know he is, but who am I? Uh, if you weren't here last week, um, I, I, don't, I don't like to, and I don't want this to sound arrogant at all, um, but I, I really felt, and from the feedback that I got from it, that last Sunday was, was one of the most impactful sermons that, that I've ever had an opportunity to preach. And if, if you weren't there, um, please listen to it on our app. Um, the, what really caught my, my eye, something I never heard about, was how Jesus spoke about Simon Peter and uh, how we deal with the conflict of who we used to be and who we uh, have been called by God to be and how sometimes we go back and forth and that could really um, take a, a toll on our identity if we allow it to. Uh, but Jesus, even when we're acting like who we used to be, says, you're still called and you're still chosen. And uh, it was a really powerful uh, sermon. And this week, we're, uh, we're going to try and duplicate something like that, but it's a different sermon. We looked at Peter last week, and this week, we're going to look at Paul. And uh, the sermon I titled, I Am a Slumdog Midnight. That's how they say it in the movie. Midnight. Say, I am a slumdog midnight. That was good. That was good. Pretty good. We'll work on that. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and uh, verse 1, and then I'm going to skip around a little bit. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and he's under attack. People are accusing him of being a fraud. They're pointing out his weaknesses. They're pointing out his flaws. And, and uh, he, he says, I, Paul, uh, yeah, I am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. Yeah, so so he, he's, he's saying, I, I have a little bit of a flaw. I'm timid sometimes when I'm face to face. And then verse 7, he says, but you are judging by appearances. For if anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider, again, that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. Turn to the person next to say, I belong just as much as you do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us, for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say that, this is Paul talking, my letters are weighty and bold and forceful, but in person Paul is unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nothing. Wow. Basically, great writer, but you can't talk, Paul. Uh, we like your letters, but when we see you face-to-face, -face, you are not what we expected you to look like. And then it says, uh, verse 11, such people should realize that when we are in our letters, that what we are in our letters, that we are in our absence, and we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone who commends, commends themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. And then one other uh, verse I want to read in uh, the next chapter over, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 10. And this is kind of the, the key verse here, one that you may have uh, on your refrigerator. It's one that people post with on Facebook all the time, but I, I think we miss the meaning of it very often. Uh, that is why Paul says, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses in insults. When people insult me, I delight in it. In hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, I pray that you will speak through me this morning, Lord God. I pray, Father, that 
we will see ourselves wherever we are at right now. I thank you that we have a church filled with so many different people in different walks of life that are currently in a different stage, Lord. But I pray that through your Holy Spirit, this sermon will be able to reach everybody. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Uh, I recently had the opportunity to, uh, to go to Bakersfield, as, as I told you guys, uh, last week. And uh, probably one of the most comforting things about airplanes nowadays is you get to watch movies. Um, and and I, I love it. Uh, you get to watch whatever movie you want. They have all, like, the new movies. I flew Alaskan Airlines. Anyone ever flown Alaskan Airlines before? How about the dude that stole the Alaskan Airlines flight? That was crazy. That happened the day after I flew. That was a little freaky. Like, the random guy that, like, has the earmuffs outside JFK with the, with the lights stole an airplane. <laughs> that was crazy. If you didn't read about it, read about it. Um, and, and so I'm flying Alaskan Airlines, and um, I, I get on there, and I, I see all these, these, these great movies. And, uh, um, you know, before I had kids, I, I was not a crier. After I had kids, I cry at pretty much any and everything. I, I don't know what it did to me, but it just, like, softened me so, so. Don't make fun of me. Any, any men willing to admit they cry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and the ones that don't have their hands up? Boo you, because you're a liar. Because I, I cry, and, and I turned on this movie uh, um, on Alaskan Airlines, and, and I, was, I was sitting in the middle. I was sitting in the middle uh, of two guys, and, and so, you know, I, I'm watching this movie, and sometimes you forget that people are around you while you're watching a movie on an airplane. Uh, and so uh, there, there's this, I mean, amazing scene. He, he, he's been chasing after this girl his, his whole life, Ladaka. I mean, this movie has won, won eight Academy Awards, uh, somebody com commented last night on my Facebook post as I was watching Slumdog Millionaire that they thought it was a terrible movie. Well, you don't know what movies are. Um, no, I love you, Chris, so that's okay. Uh, but it's an awesome movie. It was an amazing, amazing movie. Won eight Academy Awards. And, and at the end, he finally gets the girl, Latika. And, and when he gets the girl, uh, he also wins the, uh, the, the 20 million rupee in, in, uh, in India, their uh, version of who wants to be a millionaire. And uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just bawling my eyes out. And, and out of nowhere, I, had, I didn't realize, but the guy next to me had hit the uh, button for the uh, waitress to come and brought me a box of tissues. And I had no, I'm like, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, really? We don't talk the whole flight and you're going to pull that move on me? Unbelievable. Um, and, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to admit I, I cried. And, and, and then all of a sudden, God, God began to speak to me um, that, that, that I am that slumdog millionaire as, as this young boy uh, went through some incredibly traumatic situations in his life and he, he had all these flaws, he had so much working against him, he went through so much tragedy in his life but every tragedy that he went through was the answer to one of the questions that he got on the show. And he would have never had the intelligence on his own to know the answers, but because of what he went through, he was able to fulfill his destiny in that moment. And God began to speak to me and say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I make slumdog millionaires. That every season in your life is connected to your destiny, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and for me, I need that because I have so many flaws I have so many insecurities. I have so many things that, that I struggle with. And I know he is, 
I know who God is. I know how awesome God is. But when I look at my life, I see myself through this, this lens of my flaws. Nobody knows me like I know me. And some people may expect these great things out of me, but sometimes I doubt that because you don't know me the way I do. If you knew my flaws and my weaknesses, there's no way you would speak that over my life. And I, I feel like I'm not the only one who, who has that struggle. I feel like every single Sunday morning, you can hear a sermon from a pastor encouraging you and speaking God's word over your life. And you're thinking, yeah, but if you only knew, you wouldn't speak that over my life. I'm not capable of it. And uh, Nicole... Our, our worship leader put something on, uh, on Facebook this week, and, and I, I, wanted, I, I think I might have read this like 10 years ago in one of my first ever sermons, but it, it, it hit me when Nicole posted it because uh, God uses people with glitches. He uses people with flaws who are willing to admit that they have a flaw. If you're not willing to admit that you have a flaw and you're self-righteous, then God says, I got no use for you. And I, I, this is what uh, I, I took from... Uh, from Nicole's post, she said, uh, Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac, anyone ever heard this before? This is good, right? Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah wasn't attractive, Joseph was abused, Moses was a stutterer, that's it, thank you, uh, Gideon was afraid, Samson shacked up with hookers, Rahab was a hooker, just covering all the bases now, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah was too young. David had an extramarital affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Job went bankrupt. Eli I'm sorry, Isaiah preached naked. You better know you hear from God if you're going to do that, Isaiah. You better know that that's God's voice, all right? <laughs> God, if, if I heard a voice say that, I'd say, no, 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 no. So get behind me, Satan. I don't <laughs> Isaiah preached naked. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied knowing Jesus. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Zacchaeus was too short. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. And yet God used every single one of them. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? And if, if I had an extra minute, I'd hit every single one of you in this room. God uses broken people to reach broken people. Every single one of us have a gift, but we also have <laughs> a glitch. <laughs> we all have gifts, but we also have flaws in our life. And uh, the Apostle Paul, we know him, I, at least I do as a pastor, uh, for his gifts. Paul was incredibly gifted. He was highly educated. He was, he was a, a, a master in philosophy and debate and reason. He studied under one of the uh, most infamous to his day rabbis. His name was Rabbi Gamaliel, um, who, who was with the, uh, the Sanhedrin, and he studied under him, and he was highly gifted. Uh, he was a Roman citizen, Paul was, which gave him access to places that other people wouldn't have access to. Uh, he, he had so many credentials. He had so many uh, uh, marks, awards in his life. But he also had a glitch. And they began to bring this up in 2 Corinthians as we read. And Paul began to defend himself. And, you know, there will always be people 
who will point out your glitches. And there, there will always be moments where you feel like you need to defend yourself. And you can never get to a point, as Paul is finding out, that you are so decorated that, that you have gotten to such a level that you no longer ask yourself the question, do I have what it takes? I feel like sometimes the older we get, the louder that voice can speak sometimes because you, you have that voice saying you're not who you used to be. You're getting older. You're too old. And you begin to ask yourself that question, do I still have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to fulfill what God has put inside of me? Do I have what it takes when I look in the mirror on Monday morning on my way to work and on my way into a job interview? And no matter where you get in life, that question will always resound in your head and you'll always weigh whether or not your glitch is bigger than your gift. And it is something that all of us will be conflicted with, I believe, uh, as long as we live. Because we all have this weakness, we all have this thorn in our side that we deal with. And we need to be willing to face our flaws and not be afraid to try and improve on them and not be afraid to call them out within ourselves and not just say, this is who I am. A lot of us, if you're battling with a sin, that's not who you are, that's who you were. And, and we're going to preach about that in our next series um, about confronting the uncomfortable places in your life. And, and there's a time for that. But also, you need to not allow them to disqualify yourself from what God wants to do in you just because you have some flaws and some glitches in your life. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7, this is the problem. Uh, Paul says, you are judging by appearance. Some of you, the reason why you struggle so much is because you are judging by appearance. The, one, the reason you feel like you don't have what it takes is because you are judging by appearance. And you try and impress people and try and appear different on the outside than what's really going on on the inside of you because you are judging by appearance. But I am so thankful that I am not on the surface what I am on the inside. And there's more than what you see. There's something deep inside of every one of you that you have not tapped into. You don't think it's there because there are surface gifts and there are gifts that are down deep inside of you that you have to work to find. You have to dig deep within yourself to find this gifting that God has placed within you. But the greatest gifts are always the deepest gifts. I, I, I found this uh, with, with my son Judah, uh, a great illustration of, of what it means to have to go deep in order to find your gift. If we could just play this, this one-minute video real fast. This is Judah's birthday, big birthday present here for Judah. All right, that's good, that's good, that's good. The, 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 point, the, point, the point's been made, I think. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, there's more than what you see. 
There's more than what you see. You don't have to say it again, but, but, but I just wanted to get in you because you will judge yourself by appearance. Other people will judge you by appearance, but you need to dig deep within yourself to find the gift that God put inside of you. It's, there's a reason why the diamonds aren't on the surface. There's a reason why the, the valuable things in life are not on the surface, but you got to dig down in the mines and you got to dig down in the earth in order to find them. I, like in, in my life, I, I was born, it was easy for me to find a gifting to play baseball. And that was a surface gift. It was there the moment I was born. I came out of the womb throwing a baseball. I, I came out of the womb hitting a wiffle ball off a tee. I, I, I can't explain it. It was easy for me. It was natural for me. But this, what I'm doing right now, this I had to dig deep for. I had to go through failures and struggles in order to find the real gifting that God put inside of me. And you need to do this. The re reason why you are settling is because you're not digging deep within yourself. You don't think it's there. You have disqualified yourself from what God has called you to do because it's been a struggle. You need to keep on digging. Keep on going inside of yourself, challenging yourself because it's in you. You're on to something. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, you're judging by appearance. And then it says, if anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, Man, isn't it interesting how confidence and appearance always are kind of tied together? That the only reason a lot of you are confident is because of something that appears in your life. And only when something appears in your life can you be confident. Oh, man, that, that is a horrible way to live. That is a temperamental way to live. Because I could be confident no matter what is appearing on the outside because confidence comes from within yourself, not from the outside, but from within you. So you can be confident that they belong to Christ and they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. I love that scripture because that means that every single one of you belong to Christ just as much as I do. That belonging to Christ has nothing to do with what is going on on the outside of you. How you look, how you smell, the kind of job you have, the kind of background you have. No, you belong to Christ because of the way that you were born again. And you can have confidence, not in your actions, but in your faith in him, that you, the same way that Lily can jump in my bed at 5 a.m. on a Monday morning and say to me, Daddy, do you want to build a snowman? And I forget what the rest of it is. Uh, because she knows that she belongs. And she could be confident. You could be bold coming to the Lord. You could be bold coming to church, knowing that you belong to Christ just as much as anybody else does. I don't ever want to pastor a church that people don't feel like they belong. He became so you belong. It doesn't, it's not the other way around. We confuse that all the time. We think, we, we think I, I got to belong and, and then I, I could be confident. No, 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 no. Because of who Jesus became, you belong. You belong just as much as Pope Francis does. Is that, is that his name now? I, I mean, I'm sorry, folks, but we are all flawed creatures on this earth. There are no deities in, in, in this world. I don't care if, if you're the Pope, a father, or some slumdog in India. We are all created in the image of God. We all have flaws and glitches, and we all belong just as much as the other person does because it's all through the blood of Jesus that we got to come in anyhow. And if we make it about anything else other than the blood of Jesus, then we are heretics. All right, I'm, 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 I'm through. I'm through on that one.
But man, I, I, I get ticked off when people try and make it about I'm better than you. Or I belong more than you do because of the way I vote. Oh, idiots. We belong because of Jesus. That's it. That's it. We all need the blood of Jesus. We are all on the same level. And you belong to Christ. And so you can have confidence, no matter where you came from, that you can find mercy in your time of need. The book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, there it is. In your time of need, I belong. That's what I have to constantly remind myself of is, is I belong. That's, I, I struggle with that. You know, I, I struggle with that every time I come up here. That, that I have to believe that I belong. Um, you know, as I, I've, I've said so many times that this is unnatural for me. I'm, a, I'm an introvert. Any introverts in here? I, I, I like to just be by myself at my house reading a book. You know, uh, watching Netflix. You know, just, I, I, I like just being alone. Like, like this, is, this is not natural for me. And so I, I always struggle with the believing part. Sometimes when people come to me and say, wow, you know, you're, you're so anointed, Pastor. Or, you know, that sermon really spoke to me. Um, I, there's always something that they're, they're, they're lying. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just trying to blow smoke because, because that's not really who I am. And, and that's, that's not... My, uh, my gifting, and, and I, I really struggle with that. Uh, you know, even yesterday, I had an opportunity to speak at a um, breakfast with, uh, it was like over 50 pastors that were there, and uh, some of them had been in ministry longer than I've been alive. And, you know, I'm, I had to keep telling myself, you belong here. And they had me as, as one of the speakers sharing and answering questions about how to pastor a multicultural church. I'm sitting there like, I can't believe I'm sitting here with these pastors, like, peppering me with questions about how to pastor a multicultural church. I'm like, I didn't even go to seminary. These guys are Princeton graduates asking me questions about how do I do it. And, and I'm like, but it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's, it's, it's a struggle with me. And and um, I, I haven't spoken publicly about this, but uh, back in June, I, I went through um, a, a time in, in my, you know, two years I've been the lead pastor here. And it was the first time I ever uh, got significant, significantly criticized for a decision that I made. And um, it, it, it had to do with us not supporting a, a certain event. And uh, I ended up getting hate mail from people across the country. Very little from around here, but it was all people from all over the, the, the country, you know, accusing me of this, calling me that. And, you know, they, 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 they really do research, these people. They really, you know, they went back. They, they put on, like, my batting average from college. Like, you were a terrible baseball player. You batted, like, 220. I'm like, really? You're going to go there? Who are you? <laughs> there, there's always, so if, you, if you can't find your flaws, someone else sure will for you. That's, you know. <laughs> and... And I'm, I'm, I'm reading them, and, you know, some of them are, is accurate. I, I feel like some of the uh, um, hardest critiques are the ones that are half-truths. And it's an insecurity that you already have, and, and you know that Satan is speaking through them to try and get to you. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I am, in, in a lot of areas, weak. But I am strong in a lot of areas, too. 
I may have a lot of flaws still, but I, I have a, a lot of strength as well. I have a lot of giftings as well, and, and people love to pick out your flaws. And I remember I went to one of our staff meetings, and I didn't share this with a lot of people, but I was really struggling, and I wanted prayer for it. And uh, I came into our staff meeting. I think it was Nicole and, and, and Katie were there. And I don't remember who said it, but I was telling them the, the, the emails that I was getting and stuff. And I think it was Katie said, wow, you must be special. And I said, man, that will preach, baby. Because you know what? That, 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 that's all I needed to hear in that moment was the reason I was being attacked by people all over the country in a tiny church in Asbury Park, New Jersey. It's because I'm special. And I, I thought that there would be someone in here who would want to know that as well. The reason that you are under such attack, the reason that hell has came against you and your family so hard, the reasons you feel like demons have fought you on every area in your life is because you are special. You thought it was because God didn't like you or God has forsaken you, but in fact, it's because God loved you so much that he put such a big calling on your life, and Satan knows that if you ever get free, that you are going to do great work for the kingdom of God. You know what? The reason Satan wants to tie you up is because he knows what's going to happen when you get free. I'm going to say that again just in case you missed it. The reason that you have been so tied up by Satan is because he's afraid of what you'll do when you get free. Some of you, you have been breaking generational curses and you don't even know it. You thought that it, God had forsaken you. God didn't gift you enough. But in fact, the opposite is true. He has gifted you so much. You are so special. And that is the reason you have been fighting since birth. It's because you have something in you that this world needs to have. You thought your scars were something you should be ashamed of. But in fact, you need to proclaim my scars, declare that my God is my healer. And I don't need to be ashamed of what I've been through, the marks that I have from my past. They don't declare that my God has forsaken. They declare he's my healer. He is my redeemer, that he was with me in every season of my life. Don't ever forget, don't ever be ashamed of your testimony. Don't even be, ever be ashamed of what you've been through. My God is my healer. And Paul was insecure about his, his glitch. His, his struggle, uh, it says verse 10, next verse. For some say his letters are weighty and bold, but in person he is unimpressive. And his speaking amounts to nothing. Uh, in, in another verse, Paul even admits that I'm not a good speaker. And I thought, my gosh, this guy, I mean, his, his letters are, are incredible. He, he wrote one half of the New Testament. 13 of the 27 New Testament books were written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, he founded churches. He took the gospel to the ends of the earth. He got stoned and then went right back into the same city that stoned him. This guy was so gifted, and yet he was insecure because he had a flaw. 
because he had a weakness. And people would point it out to him all the time. And he was a little insecure about it. He wanted to be a great speaker, but he wasn't. And there was this other guy, his, his name was Apollos. And we read about him in the New Testament as well. Apollos was an orator. Apollos could preach, man. He, he had hermeneutics. Anyone know what hermeneutics are? All right, you're weird. Um, and so am I. I know what they are too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he had every antonym, synonym. He, he, he could just break down everything. Apollos was awesome. Nobody fell asleep when Apollos preached. But everybody fell asleep when Paul preached. It says one time that Paul preached so long and he was so boring that someone fell asleep and fell out of a third-story window and died. His preaching was so bad. I mean, I mean he read it. It's in there. There it is, up there. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he, he, had, he had a weakness. <laughs> you know, I, I have some, some people in my life that, that I respect immensely. You know, um, one, one person, um, he is the best with, with, with money that I've ever seen. Um, and I go to him for advice on finances all the time. And uh, I, I asked him one time, how, how did you get so good at, at just budgeting and, and, and managing money and making the right decisions, and, and, and he's totally debt-free now, and, and I, I, I just want to be like that when I grow up. Yeah. And, and he said to me, you know, the, the answer is, when, when, I, when I was growing up, I was so broke that I made a promise to myself that I am never going to let my kids live like this. I am never going to live like this as I grew up. And the reason that I'm so successful now is because I was so broke growing up. One of my uh, mentors, he's in heaven now, Dr. Ern Baxter. Um, he, incredible man of God, helped my father found this church. The greatest speaker I've ever heard in my life. And my dad used to tell me that he would get so nervous before he would preach that there were times that he couldn't even hold the microphone because his hand would shake so bad that he had to have one of the clip-on microphones because he was so nervous when he would preach. And he was the greatest preacher I've ever heard, Dr. Ern Baxter, amazing man of God. I even could, could go as far as uh, Mike Tyson. Anyone know Mike Tyson? Bad man. Mike Tyson's a bad man, right? He was also a very afraid man. And as I was watching his documentary, he said, that the reason he looked so tough in the ring and, and he would look so menacing and so intimidating and, and he would win fights before they even would start. People would just go down, they'd hear the bell and they'd just drop because Mike Tyson was so scary. He said the, the reason he projected that is because he was so fearful that he was going to make a fool of himself in the ring and everyone's going to mock him and make fun of him. He was so afraid, but that fear caused him to be the most intimidating, hardworking boxer, one of the, the iron Mike Tyson we know today. But we don't know him for his glitch, his fear. We know him by how tough and nasty he was. All three of those people, their weakness was the reason that they were so strong. It was the thing that if they asked God to take something away, they would have said, Take that away out of my life. Take that fear out of my life. Take that, that upbringing out of my life. But if you took that out of your life, you wouldn't be who you are today. And, and this, is, this is just amazing to me how 
Paul wrote two-thirds of the Bible. He wanted to be a good speaker. He wanted to be a good preacher so bad. But if Paul preached like Apollos, he wouldn't be able to write like Paul. And the reason that we have 2 Corinthians, the reason that we have Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that I could ask or imagine, the reason that we have uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, that for we are saved by grace, not of works, for it is a gift of God. The reason that we have an understanding of who Christ is is because Paul wasn't a good preacher. It was his weakness that pushed him towards his strength. It was his glitch that made him into the great man of God that we have today. And some of you, you need to stop asking God, make me better at this. You need to say, you know what, God, push me towards what you want to push me towards. If you didn't put it in me, then you know what, I don't need it. If, if I had this kind of upbringing, then you know what? It's going to push me towards becoming the man or woman that you have called me to be. It is your weakness that gives you strength. In Slumdog Millionaire, at the end of the movie, he had a, a traumatic situation where his, his, his mother was, was murdered. And, and he had a gun put in his face. And that was one of the questions, you know, who invented the revolver? And... And he remembered it was a Colt 45 that was pointed at his face when he was eight years old. He, he, he remembered all of these things, these traumatic situations in his life that turned him into a millionaire. I, I close with, with this story. And I, I feel like this ties everything in really well. Uh, in Rio de Janeiro, there is this Christ the Redeemer statue. Um, we've seen pictures of it. It's just an amazing, beautiful thing. And people go from all over the world to see Christ the Redeemer, the statue. Right underneath it is one of the biggest landfills in the world called Gramacho. And everyone in there, they, they, there's people that just, that's their everyday work. They go into Gramacho, and they're called slum dogs. And they pick out of the trash and that's what they do every single day. You think your job's bad. That's what every day, to find things to buy and sell and use. And, and everybody goes to see Christ the Redeemer up, up above. And unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people interpret how Christ is, is he's above the landfill. And, and he's up here and everybody else is down there. But there was this one photographer. His name was Vic Munich. And he went to Gramacho. Not to take pictures of the trash, but to take pictures of the people. And he began taking pictures of all the people at Gramacho, all the slum dogs there. And he got this incredible idea where he would take a photograph of one of the people, one of the slum dogs there. And, and he would take that picture and he would go into a warehouse and he would design that picture with trash from Gramacho. He would take rubber tires. He would take bottles and bottle caps. He would, he would take uh, toilet seats. He would take all the trash, and he would begin to outline the pictures of the people who were picking through the trash at Gramacho. And, and I, I think they're throwing them up behind me. He, he ended up making millions and millions of dollars. This is probably the, 
the, the number one tourist attraction now in Rio de Janeiro. People pay so much money to see these designs that he made of trash from the slum dogs who pick out of it every single day. Took all those millions of dollars and created a foundation that's able to give employment opportunities and feeding programs and services to all of the slum dogs of Gramacho. And I said, thank you, Jesus, for giving me that picture. Because that is a perfect picture of what our Redeemer does. He's not a statue up above us. But he gets down in the trash with us. And he says, I'm going to use all of this trash to create a masterpiece of your life. All those things you didn't think I could use, all that trash in your life, I'm going to use to create a beautiful masterpiece. I am a slum dog millionaire. I used to be ashamed of my weaknesses. But now, Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses, in my insults, in those who oppose me, in, in, in all of the struggles that I went through. I boast not in my accomplishments, but I boast in my weaknesses because when I am weak, I am strong. I used to preach that God will use you in spite of your weaknesses. But I want to preach now that God will use you because of your weaknesses. That your weaknesses will turn into strength if you put them in God's hands. Stand to your feet if you're able to right now. Just bow your heads if, if you can. Just take a minute just to reflect on, on who God is, our Redeemer, right now. And all that he has saved you from. Praise you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for all of the weaknesses that we still struggle with, God. Yeah, we're working towards you, and we know that you're, you're going to help us grow through this, Lord God. But I don't need to be ashamed of, of my weaknesses, Lord God. Because you are transforming them into a testimony, Lord God. you're able to just just begin to lift your hands form of of surrendering to God God I surrender my will I'm not capable I need your strength in me right now God praise you Jesus let's sing that that song right now thank you Jesus praise